This presentation of the USA CBD Conference is brought to you by Industry Pods in conjunction with Full Spectrum Bottling Corporation, a licensed GMP and organic certified facility in Southern California. Full Spectrum Bottling is the solution for all of your bottling and cannabis manufacturing needs. Whether traditional water, juices, or coffees, or infused hemp-derived CBD, Full Spectrum has the ability to source CBD, formulate and package aluminum bottles, plastic, and shots. Go to FullSpectrumBottling.com to find out more. That's FullSpectrumBottling.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our next speaker who's about to take the stage right now. I'd like to give him a proper introduction. His name is Mr. Aaron Riley, and he's going to be discussing testing and the current state of affairs of what's going on here in our market. Let me give you some background on him. He is the president of CannaSafe. CannaSafe is the world's first ISO accredited cannabis testing lab and California's leading holder in market share. CannaSafe has established itself as a trusted name in cannabis. Now learn all about testing from CannaSafe. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Mr. Aaron Riley. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. How's everybody doing? Um, one of the things that people don't know is actually that we sell CBD-infused safes, um, and that's why we're called CannaSafe. So if you want to buy a CBD-infused safe, you can go to our booth. That was a joke, by the way. Um, so CannaSafe, we were founded in 2011 in Marietta, California. Uh, that's between San Diego and Los Angeles. Um, we were in about a 10 by 10 lab until um, I started in 2016. In 2018, we moved that business to Los Angeles. Um, and the current situation is we have one of the largest testing labs in the space. We currently do about a third of all the cannabis products in California. We're starting to test heavily in the CBD space. Last year, just in the cannabis space, the retail value alone of the product we tested was over a billion dollars. Um, another cool thing is we were the first accredited, ISO accredited cannabis testing lab in the world. Um, we got that done in 2012 and we've maintained that ever since. Um, if you're not aware what that means, uh, an ISO accreditation, there's different standards of accreditation, but basically it's you have a third party come in and audit your processes and procedures. Um, it's traceability, so all of our inputs are known, you know, all the variables that we uh, perform within our laboratory are all known. Here's a little bit of history for CBD. Um, CBD cannabidiol, 1940, Roger Adams was the first scientist to discover. Um, at the time, you know, I, I think a lot of people re recognize the history that cannabis, hemp, CBD has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Um, it's one of the oldest known medicines in the world, dating back to, you know, the first Chinese manuscript of medicine. Um, over the past 80 or 90 years, you can kind of see the progression of CBD. Uh, President Nixon really curtailed any uh, progression towards research um, and furthering it in 1970 with the Controlled Substance Act. Um, in the 80s, it was discovered that CBD was, was actually a great remedy for epilepsy and seizures. Um, currently today, there's only, there's only one FDA-approved CBD-based drug, it's Epidiolex. Um, and then in 2018, we had the Farm Bill, which, you know, as, every, as most people here know, legalized farming of hemp. 
So first one here, we have Epidiolex. Um, and this is kind of, you know, us being on the, in the testing space and on the regulatory side. Some of these things are contrary to what you see here. You know, technically the FDA, and I heard that there's some people from the FDA here today, where you're not supposed to be putting CBD in foods or drinks or beverages <laughs> um, or anything controlled by the FDA, but, you know, obviously it's still going on. Um, our current stance on it is, is we've seen the regulations and progression in cannabis. When we started doing pesticide testing in the end of 2016, early 2017, we noticed that 75% of the products that we were testing were failing. Um, so there was a very high level of contaminants. Most of the products in the marketplace were not very good. Um, and, and most of the businesses weren't testing. And that's kind of the, the current state of affairs in CBD versus cannabis. Cannabis companies spend 2 to 5% of their revenue testing their products. Um, that's how extensive the regulations are and how thorough they have to be to be in compliance. Um, CBD and, and hemp, for instance, is a significantly smaller margin of their, their revenue goes to testing. We see people that sell products for a year based on a COA, whereas in the cannabis world, somebody has to test every single batch that they produce and send to market. Here's a little bit of summary from the hemp bill and kind of what it's, what it's allowed. The hemp bill has allowed growers to grow hemp that is under 0.3% THC. Um, you know, currently the regulations for testing that, that THC level um, are not very robust. It's, it's very misunderstood by regulators. There's two different forms of, of testing that we, the in type of instrument you can do it on. One is liquid chromatography where you're using a, a HPLC, it's a high pressure system where you're running solvent, you know, and the other one is gas chromatography where you're using temperature. Um, when you run a test on using gas chromatography, you're not getting the THCA acid, which is in cannabis that gets you high. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a known loophole right now and something that has to be addressed. Um, I saw recently in the news that, the, that Trump was requesting a $5 million budget to work with the FDA and the government to come up with some sort of CBD regulations. I think everyone here knows you can go to Whole Foods now, you can go to CVS. CBD is everywhere um, and it's mainstream and it's definitely not going anywhere or going away. We see the opportunity on, in terms of the testing and on the product side is there's, there is an existing and established and growing market the same way there was in California with cannabis. You know, California has one of the historical longest cannabis markets in the, in the, in the world, um, but they really didn't get regulation, didn't get any real regulation until 2018. Um, you know, so CBD, the cat's kind of out of the bag. People are producing it, making it, selling it, and there's very limited regulation on state or federal level. Um, so it's, it's, regulation is coming. It's a good place to be where, you know, where we're at on the testing side is that there's going to be an established market and there's going to be some regulations that come out that, that affect how you can make your product, what levels you have to test at, what contaminants you have to test for. Um, we always encourage people to get ahead of that. A lot of our cannabis producers that are, have, have crossed over and gone onto the hemp side have, have had a lot more success dealing with the problems of pesticides, heavy metals, contamination, solvents, etc. Here's a chart showing kind of the price of CBD isolate. Um, and, it, you know, ironically enough, I remember when I first started in 2016, it was $20,000 a kilo. Um, and now it's pretty far from that. I think that we're going to see all of these numbers on, on the left here where you have the uh, cost. It's going to keep going down, especially with some of the large agricultural products that we're 
uh, projects that we're seeing. Um, on the right, you have who's the world leader in hemp. One of the, one of the uh, and we'll cover this more in the next slide, but one of the problems with Chinese hemp is, is heavy metals. Um, so cannabis hemp are bioaccumulators, and what that means is they suck up everything from their environment. They suck up heavy metals, they suck up pesticides. When you make products with them using oil, it takes in other solvents. It's really hard to, you know, it's, you have to be really careful when you're manufacturing products and when you're farming. Um, and a lot of people aren't aware of this. We, you know, in California, there was a whole wave of people that failed their outdoor crops because they, they planted in the central coast and the soil there has, is high in heavy metals. So they had lead, mercury problems that are over, over the state required threshold for heavy metals testing. Um, you know, so we always recommend that before you go into a big scale project that you actually test, you test everything. You test the air quality, you test the soil, you test any other type of um, plants or agriculture in the area to see, you know, see what your neighbors are spraying because at the end of the day, you're going to likely end up with that in your crop. So here's the, the four heavy metals that we test, the four main heavy metals that we test for in California. We can do an expanded list of 21. It's uh, arsenic, cadmium, lead, mercury are the main four. Um, you know, here's, you know, there's an ex explanation of why they're dangerous. Obviously, the, the biggest one is, you know, the biggest joke being the, did you eat paint, chips, lead paint as a kid? Here's some of the common pesticides that we see. Um, the most common one and, and the biggest problem is the miclobutanol. The trade name for that is Eagle 20. Um, in California, that is a very heavily used pesticide in the wine and the bean industry. Um, and one of the reasons that makes it so dangerous on a plant like hemp or cannabis is that when you combust it, it turns into hydrogen cyanide. So whether you're smoking it in the flower form or you're smoking it in a vape, uh, in a concentrated in a vape form, it's actually, it's a very dangerous substance. I don't think anybody wants to be con consuming hydrogen cyanide. And if you're on the product side, you don't want to be selling hydrogen cyanide. If you, if you guys saw any of the vape coverage, we broke the vitamin E acetate story to NBC probably, I think, two months before the CDC was able to get anything out. Um, and how we did that is we went out and we bought a bunch of vapes and products that were, you know, that were seeming to cause the problems and health concerns um, with the vape scare. Um, and I would say what we found was shocking. Historically, since I've been doing this, we've always tested black market products maybe once a quarter just to kind of see what's out there. Um, and we've also tested CBD products and we see uh, you know, a lot of commonalities. You know, CBD is coming more mainstream and people are getting better, but the percentage of CBD products compared to the percentage of uh, cannabis products in California that, that would pass safety requirements is a pretty significant advantage, a, a disadvantage for CBD. I think 70% of CBD products are mislabeled and a pretty significant percent of them also contain contaminants. Um, here's an example of a CBD vape cart that we tested. It claimed to have 10, um, I think 10 milligrams of CBD in it, and it had 0.42. So this is all cutting agents and flavoring, and I mean, you, it's really kind of a mystery what, what, what it went into this. Um, and then one of the really scary things is that the lead contamination, typically we see under, five micro, or under 500 micrograms of lead in any type of vape cart. Some of the polymer-made ones don't have any lead. Um, and that's what California has recommended as the safe consumption level. And this is 8.64. So that's, pretty, that's, that's a pretty significant failure. 
So here's what a COA looks like. Um, and this is, if you guys are in any component of the industry, whether it's final product, whether you're buying bulk material or trim, you should learn how to read one of these. Um, in the upper left, you'll have the product name, license holder, date. There should be a picture of the product on any COA. Um, that's one of the requirements in California. It should be everywhere. If you get a COA without a picture, um, you, you have no idea to reference what was being tested. Um, our COA has the cannabinoid information on the left side, and then all of the safety is summarized in the upper right-hand box. We also include the terpenes on the front page. So here's, here's a study referencing what I was talking about earlier with, within CBD label claims. Um, we've actually found worse. We did a special for the doctor's show and we tested 20 CBD products. And of the 20, we tested them per California specs, of the 20, only three would have passed the California safety requirements for contaminants and also meeting label claims. Um, they've also found in their study here that 70% of the CBD products that they purchased in the store failed for label claims. So that means you're not getting the amount of CBD that's labeled on it. And this goes back into why it's important to test your product at every level, especially if you're selling it, because when regulations come, there's not going to be an option whether or not you want to test or have a product that, that meets label claims and also meets safety requirements. So I'm going to turn it over to, to you guys to answer any questions that you guys have pertaining to testing and anything else related to CBD. Does anybody have a question? No questions? There we go. She's going to bring in a microphone. I'd like to know uh, what kind of nitrogen requirements are, grown, are needed for CBD and what is a low point and like what is a high point? Like is it 50 pounds available enough or is 150 going to throw off the CBD content? For nitrogen? Yes. In terms of? Of growing the plant. Oh, growing the plant? Yeah. I mean, that's up to you. It depends on what your conditions are. We can do, we typically do tissue analysis for people determining their right nitrogen levels, and it's really, I mean, it's strain dependent. We have a lot of people that test, I mean, there's so many different variables when you go. You can test temperature, sunlight, um, and they've found the sweet spot for, for nitrogen levels. Well, the reason I ask that, we are a grower, and we had fields that had 50 pounds available for the plants, but we also had fields that had 150 pounds available from the nutrients that we used, and those ones that had the higher nitrogen had the less CBD content. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And that, that would be something where you would want to do plant tissue analysis weekly as you're going through the harvest so you can kind of have known variables in terms of what your inputs are and you can see, oh, this one has higher nitrogen. Maybe you need to flush, add some other nutrients. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Any other questions? Thank you for your presentation. Uh, it's been very informative. You spoke briefly about the uh, vitamin E acetate issue that came up uh, a little while back with some of the products. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on on uh, the issues that came that resulted in the vitamin E acetate and the kind of products that we were finding the vitamin E acetate in? And also, uh, I know there was also issues with uh, 
with cyanide as well, which came from some of the processing of the plants. So can you talk a little bit about that, please? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll address the hydrogen cyanide one first because that's easy. So uh, that stems from myclobutanol, a pesticide being in the product, and when you combust that pesticide, one of the byproducts is, is hydrogen cyanide. So it's part of all the, the vape coverage and testing that we did. Um, that was one of the most common pesticides in those. And we also, did a, we also did an aerosol testing study where we were able to identify the actual levels of hydrogen cyanide gas in those. Um, and then your vitamin E acetate question. The reason that's significant is um, it became a very popular cutting agent in cannabis in early two in cannabis vapes um, in early 2019. And you know, since I've been doing this, I've been in the industry since 2011. People have been using pesticides. They've been doing vape, but we've never really seen people die from products that are being put out on the market, um, like we did with the vape crisis, where you had over 50 deaths. You have you had thousands of people getting ill. Um, and the reason that the reason that vitamin E caused that is because when you combust the vitamin E, it was actually coating inside of people's lungs and suffocating them. And also, it was the significance of the levels that they were doing it at. I mean, when you talk about a pesticide, one ppm is 0.00015%. So, and that's considered a lot of a pesticide, right? Well, 0.00015% of anything is probably not going to kill you. It might not be good for you, but it's not going to kill you. But we were seeing vitamin E acetate in levels of 40% which is significant. So almost half of the mass of these things was something that was coating the inside of people's lungs. Um, and, you know, it became a popular cutting agent. People had to, you know, people were able to use less inputs. Um, you know, CBD cannabis distillate, it, it was at the time seven to $12 a gram. Um, vitamin E acetate was like 10 cents a gram, so. Could you talk about some of the risk differentiation between isolate versus pressed hemp oil when you talk about impurities and heavy metals and other associated chemicals? Yeah, sure. So um, the, the question was, what's the difference in impurities between basically refined oils and isolate? Um, and the easiest way to think about that is, is typically an isolate is going to be almost all of one thing, one molecule. So isolate's 99%, so there's not a room, if you're making isolate, there's not room for heavy metals, there's not room for pesticides, if done properly. Um, you wanna be 99%. Whereas oils, it's tougher, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's also easier to get things out of isolate because you're isolating something. Whereas when you're working with oils, you're gonna naturally have other types of oils, fats, um, and you wanna remove all that, but. I mean, the, the most concentrated oils that we see are in the, in the low to mid-90s. So you're going to have 5 to 6% of potentially unknown variables, whether it be pesticides or heavy metals or other contaminants. Hi, thank you. Um, my question is uh, natural pesticides. Has there been any success using uh, just like, for example, ladybugs or bees in order to that, is that is there any stories out there of not using any pesticides, but just natural other uh, predators for that? Yeah, I would say there's been a lot of success, and typically in California, you know, since pesticide regulations came out, there's there's 66 pesticides that we commonly test for, and then you know the FDA has expanded lists that go up to 201 pesticides. But I would say 99% of our clients in California they use you know predator pests, beneficials. They use things like neem oil, which are natural pesticides that don't trigger fails. So I would say there's been a lot of success. And what we've kind of seen is we track our pesticide failures over the year for compliance and R&D. R&D, I think we're still around 
you know, 10 to 12% of things that we test fail for pesticides. Compliance, the compliance number is like 1 to 2%. Um, and when I started, it was 75%. So it went from three out of four to basically effectively 10%, which is pretty, it was pretty significant if you think about it. So that means that people have figured out how to use things that, that aren't pesticides. Any other questions? No? Cool. Thank you, guys. This podcast was produced and presented by IndustryPods.com in conjunction with the USA CBD Conference in cooperation with Full Spectrum Bottling Corporation. Any unauthorized use is strictly prohibited. Any and all trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.